Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of SDR Conversations hosted by myself, Jasper Rivers, and Eric Muller. And every Friday, we release a new episode where Eric and I have an organic conversation and discuss what's happening in the SDR industry and share what we're learning in our hosting businesses and through working with the thousands of students that go through our coaching programs. Now, this episode is brought to you by SDR Legends Mastermind, the only exclusive mastermind that connects top CEOs and SDR business owners at the most unique travel destinations. So if you're running over 50 short-term rental units or you're managing boutique hotels or you're an investor in the SDR space with over $3 million of assets owned, then we invite you to apply for the mastermind at strlegends.com. We'll get on a call with you to see if the mastermind is a good fit. And if it's a win-win, then we'll welcome you in a couple months at our first live event at an incredible beachfront short-term rental property in Oaxaca, Mexico. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 469 of Get Paid for Your Pad. We are your hosts, Eric Miller and Jesper Rivers. Eric, what's up, man? What up, homie? How you doing? Welcome back to Panama City. Panama. That's right. I'm finally back in Panama, which is nice because now I don't have to work in the evenings anymore. That I'm was a rough. morning person. Yeah, I can't work in the evening. No, 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 no. Dude, it's so funny because like when we uh, first started working together, you were more of a uh, night owl than you were a morning person. And now it's kind of flipped. I got you on the, uh, the early AM work schedule here. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always been a morning person, but when we started working together, our first thing we did was we organized this SDR legends event in Puerto Rico. And then I got the night shift <laughs> and you got the morning shift kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do for this next one, man. We got to, I guess we got to delegate Aaron to be, or maybe it's Julie. Maybe that's Julie's role is to, is to be the party animal for everyone at night. Cause uh, I'll be in bed by like nine o'clock, man. I'm not going to be a good uh, nighttime host. <laughs> I think Julie would love that role. We'll have to ask yeah. her, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she'd be very excited about that. We delegate you the party animal role. <laughs> and for those who are listening and have no idea what we're talking about, we have, our first post-COVID live event for the SCR Legends Mastermind in June in, mm-hmm. uh, in Mexico. And uh, Julie George, she's going to be there with us and uh, a number of uh, really interesting and cool high-level short rental operators. So that's what, we're, uh, that's what we're talking about right now and what we're very excited about. Dude, I'm so pumped about it, man. The, uh, the list of who's attending is really... It's such a good mix. It's you know individuals that are just starting to crack through that legend status of 50 units or 2 million a year and all the way up to some of the biggest operators in the world, which is really freaking cool. So once we lock in the list, maybe next week we can go live and share with everybody who's going to be there. We're working on a legend mentor that once we have uh, a signature on the dotted line, we'll we'll announce who that yeah. is. And so freaking pumped to get that person in there. But yeah, yeah, this thing's getting awesome, man. And yeah, that's like right around the corner, right? Like five weeks from now. 
I just booked my flights a couple of days ago, and we booked your flights yeah. too. Actually, Aaron and I booked all of all of our flights together. So, so we're officially uh, going. Dude, this is crazy. <laughs> Talk about flying! Like you and I both had a pretty interesting travel experience that I wanted to share. And uh, by the way, we're going we're going to talk more about tiny homes today because we had a lot of emails from people that listened to our podcast from two weeks ago, where we talked about our our tiny home plan and like the pros and the cons of building tiny homes versus you know ordering prefab tiny homes. So we'll dive into that, but I, I wanted to share our travel experiences first because it was pretty interesting. We both had a, a kind of a crazy experience. So I flew back from Amsterdam on Wednesday. And before, like literally a day before my flight, I got a notification from the airline saying like, hey, it's like extremely busy right now. And, you know, we recommend you show up at the airport like three or four hours in advance. And I've had those notifications before and it's never as bad as they say it is. Right. Like I've, the amount of times that I showed up at the airport, like three or four hours in advance. And then, you know, within 30 minutes, I'm at the gate and I'm like, you know, thinking like, yeah. okay, no, I, I have another three hours to sit here at the gate now, but this time they were, they were spot on. I literally, I showed up four hours in advance and I literally spent two hours for security. It took mm. me two hours. I, I, I think I've never spent that much time in, in line for security. Then once we were in the airplane, and the airplane was delayed as well, because it was too busy. Like they couldn't handle the amount of luggage, the amount of people. It was just crazy. And once we were in the plane, we still had to wait like an hour and a half because there weren't enough people to put all the bags in the planes. So they, mm. the pilot was literally saying like, okay, we're, we're waiting for somebody who can help us with the bags and really not yeah oh, that's, that's not cr- enough <laughs> dude that's so crazy man it's crazy to see that airlines are and airports are understaffed right now it doesn't make any sense I mean, i'm pretty confused about the whole thing yeah i think i think what happened is that and i was talking to, when i was in amsterdam I, I i talked to a lot of people that were working in bars because i noticed like they they were everywhere they were asking for for staff Everywhere there was this vacancies. And I was talking to some of the people that were running these bars and the restaurants. And they were saying that during COVID, a lot of restaurants shut down. And what a lot of the waiters and the staff, they ended up working for the local authorities to help with all the vaccinations and all the testing, the COVID testing. Mm-hmm. And they were getting paid really well. Like in Holland, you were, people were getting, getting paid like 20 euros an hour for that, which is about 25 bucks an hour, I think. And that was more than most of the people made working at the bars and restaurants. So they didn't really want to go back. You know, they were like, hey, we're getting paid really well doing this. Mm. So now they're, you know, now that restaurants are open again, and there's just not enough staff. And the same with, same seems to be the case at the, at the airport too, where because there was lower demand over the last couple of years, you know, a lot of staff like found other type of jobs. And now they're trying to get everybody back. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. The entire time I was traveling the last couple of days, all I can think about is like, what do I got to do to get a private jet? Like, what do I, how, like, what, what do we have to, where do we got to build free wild and overnight success to be in a spot where we can fly private? Cause I'm freaking over it, man. I don't want to do commercial anymore. I used to love flying. I used to love the whole experience. But now it's just like they, yeah, it's just, it's a challenge. It, it, you definitely work on your, uh, for me, I definitely work on my patience and my meditation 
in these travel experiences, just trying to observe and be in the moment and not get upset and the whole thing. But uh, yeah, dude, I went through the same thing. It's, you know, they put me, you know, I'm a big guy. I, I always get the same types of seats, like up close in the, the front of the plane in an aisle seat. Cause I can't fit in any other seats. And for some reason, put me in the back in a middle seat, which was terrible, horrible experience for everybody involved. But yesterday I, you know, I got back from Jersey yesterday. I was telling you this, we flew through a, a lightning storm. Have you, have you ever done that? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. It's scary. It's terrifying, man. I, I literally, I, I was getting prepared for some crazy stuff to go down because all around us, these massive lightning bolts are just going off nonstop. The whole, the whole plane is just lighting up in the middle of the night from it. So that was terrifying. We got through that. And then about 30 minutes later, we fly over a huge wildfire. So like we're going through ambers and the whole thing. And it was crazy, man. It was such a crazy experience. Yeah. Yeah. I know the lightning storms can be, can be quite scary, but I think, I think it's actually uh, the risk is actually very uh, low. I think like mm. the lightning can't like it doesn't, nothing happens when it hits the plane. That sounds like some good PR from, uh, <laughs> uh, from United airlines. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds like crisis diversion. Dude, I don't know, man. I was up there. I'm like, this is this. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. But yeah, it was crazy, man. I, I'm just noticing that. You know, I talked to a host the other day who was in a secondary market and he was saying he was in Big Bear, uh, Big Bear, California. And he was saying for the first time since COVID, he's seeing bookings drop in his marketplace. And his belief is that now that everyone can travel, that people are just like, they, they don't want to drive anymore. They're going to want to go and explore and go to places that they couldn't go for a while. And I tell you what, after traveling the way, you know, last few times that I've traveled, I don't know. I don't know if people want to tra- like, it's going to be really interesting to see it. Cause like the airports are super freaking busy. Every flight I've ever taken over the last two years have been a hundred percent full. Every single seat is taken the and it's super expensive in most places i've traveled to it's always like a thousand two thousand dollars i'm like what is going on here so i don't know i'm still pretty bullish about our our drive-in markets yeah but at least you didn't have to wear the face mask anymore in the plane now right that was awesome that was awesome yeah i felt good i felt good what about you guys what about in europe no i mean we they still they still tell you to wear it but they they don't really give you a hard time if you yeah. if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's come to an end. You know, I tell you what, though, it's like it was nice to have the freedom, but a couple of times it crossed my mind of like, ah, you know, maybe I should put a mask on because I'm like sleeping with my mouth open and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I, you know, I shouldn't breathe all this crap in, but it just feels good not being pressured or forced into those things. Yeah. So that felt good. Yeah. But also. You know, like if 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 you have a a one or two hour plane ride, it's kind of doable to wear a mask. But my flight from Amsterdam to Panama is twelve hours. You know, Dude. and to wear a, a face mask for twelve hours, not only is it just like you just want to breathe at some point, but also like even like the the Your ears, ears start yeah. hurting, like the straps around my ears. Like I actually, I you know what I used to do? This uh, I'm wearing a Bose noise cancellation headset right now as we're recording this podcast, which is, by the way, is a really, really nice headset. But what I would do is like, I would wear this in the plane. And then instead of like doing the straps of the face mask 
behind my ears, I would I would wrap them around the, yeah. the headset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm happy that that's that came to an end. Hopefully we don't go back. But it feels like everything's lifting, you know? Yeah, it feels like everything's lifting. But yeah. we'll see. Sure. And uh maybe in a later time, I haven't updated you on this, but I updated Aaron on this yesterday. And maybe next, not next week, but the following week, I'll update everybody on this experience. I'm dealing with a company right now. And if someone who's listening has done this before and you get a result from it, please reach out to us via email. I want to hear your experience. Working with a company who works with CEOs of six and seven figure businesses to set up business credit specifically to build points for free travel and upgraded travel, right? So I met him last week, another CEO, Austin, my old roommate connected us. So what he does is he trains you on how to apply and get certain credit cards, the best type of credit cards to get travel points that you can redeem. It's kind of like the points guy, if you're familiar with him. So you can redeem those for first class first class seats and also business lounge and the whole thing, free flights, everything. I was like, ah, you know, we don't necessarily need that. I tell you what, after this last trip, I'm like, he was on my mind the entire time. I'm like, okay, we're, I'm asking Aaron. I'm like, Hey, every single dollar we, we spend in our businesses will now have to go on these cards. Cause I'm not doing this anymore, man. I'm, I'm flying first class. I know I, I sound you know picky right now, but yeah, it's time to level up on that. You yeah. know, it's the, it's the amount of time that's wasted. It's the inconvenience. You know, I, I went to go work on the plane. You know, I'm like, hey, I got six hours in this tube. I, you know, let's get some work done. Let's be productive. And uh, I literally couldn't touch my screen, my keyboard, because I couldn't put my arms down. I had no room to put my yeah. arms down. Right. I'm like, okay, you know, now it's actually costing us extra money for not being able to just get work down be productive, the whole thing. So yeah. Yeah. All in all, yeah, I, I, I imagine like, because you're, you're pretty tall, like maybe slightly tall for US standards. I'm like just below six feet. You're like, how you're like six, five or something. Uh, six, four, six, four. Yeah. Cause I can just about put my laptop on my lap and work in a plane, but it's like, I have like this tiny little space left. So I imagine like yeah, yeah. if you're a little bit bigger than me, then that must be, uh, must be difficult. Yeah. It's interesting, man. But anyway, I'll update everybody on that. Let you guys know over the next couple of months, like how well that works. And uh, if we can yeah. start traveling for, for free upgraded business class, the whole thing, then it becomes better to travel because then we could be more productive, get our work done, yeah. take phone calls, but also be in a place where you don't feel the anxiety and, and the, yeah, just all the other crap that comes along with that. So <laughs> anyway, let's yeah. talk about tiny homes, man. And let's talk about uh, investing in drive-in markets, because I, I believe that's still going to be a solid investment for short-term rental operators. Yeah, for sure. So we got a lot of responses from our listeners, from people that are reading our emails, which is awesome. A lot of people reached out after we started talking about the tiny home. So I uh, created a selection of comments and questions that people have sent in, and we want to kind of go over and, you know, comment and answer some questions. So let's start with Catherine here. Catherine is saying, first of all, she says, thank you for, for keeping the short-term rental market uh, top of mind and for everything you guys are doing. So appreciate that, Catherine. And she just completed two custom-built tiny homes. And 
she agrees with our pros and cons. So if, if you haven't listened to the podcast that we did two weeks ago, we were going through like, what are the pros and cons of prefab versus construction? And she's saying that, you know, her biggest consideration, she ended up going for the building. She chose to build them. Her reason was, is that, you know, she was worried. Wait, uh, that they, what do you mean by that? So she physically is building them on site. So prefabs. Yeah, exactly. No, she, she's actually custom building her. She custom built her oh, own kind homes. Got it. Yeah. Yep. yep. And for her, like the main reason to choose that was the branding. She felt that those type of tiny homes fit better in with her brand, right? And that's something that we talked about as well. For example, like you mentioned, you know, if we're going to do these prefab tiny homes, we're going to cover the wheels and we're going to mm-hmm. call them what? What do you want to call them? Micro cabins. Micro cabins. Right. Because yeah, exactly. So. You know, as I was reading her comment, I was thinking like, yeah, I think I think Eric thought about that too, and that's why he wants to cover the wheels and call the micro cabins versus mm-hmm. tiny homes. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thought process behind this is we can build these properties, we we can build the structures off site while we are running our current property with the four units there and getting approvals on everything else, versus. You know, once we get approvals for if we were going to build on slab or foundation, then we got to shut the whole thing down because we're we're doing site work and we're doing a whole bunch of work where it's not as cost effective. So for us, we can still get the custom side. Like, and by the way, if anyone is doing these and you're happy with a tiny home manufacturer or your partner with a company that's doing some really good work, we would love to chat with them. We're, we're not sold 100% yet on the companies that we're talking to yet. So we're still open to meeting new manufacturers that can help us build a free wild structure. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal is going to be renovate these four properties, which I'm excited about. We're heading up there tomorrow to meet contractors and designers and the whole thing. But yeah, we can build these off-site, have them customized. You know, we're gonna most companies I talk to that have their systems together, I guess that's a better S word, their systems together, <clears throat> have the ability to build and design unique units in-house. So we can still get the branding, we can still get a free wild mm-hmm. structure, and then we we actually have the exclusive right to use those designs with anybody we go with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another question that we got from Rebecca kind of goes hand in hand with this. She's saying, do you know um, Den Outdoors? Are you familiar yeah. with them? Yep, yeah, yep. They're, uh, they're a company that we're talking to as well. Yeah. They provide tiny home plans, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they provide tiny home plans, but they also provide building materials. So they, they'll actually send you a kit. So you can buy... Yeah. The kit, they'll send you a whole truckload of all the materials that you need, and you just have somebody that takes that material and builds it, essentially. Right. Right on. Yeah. So she's saying, Rebecca, by the way, she's been on the podcast a couple of times. She's doing some some really cool stuff. But she was thinking about buying one that that's called the Outpost Plan. The Outpost. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar yep. with that one? I am. And she's saying like, oh, yeah, it's... um it should be about 55,000 to build. But then she talked to somebody who was actually going to build it. And that person was like, Hey, you're, you're probably going to spend an additional 75,000 on top of that to clear the land, to add the septic, build the foundation and install all the necessary requirements for the county insulation, air conditioning, heat, deck, all of that stuff. 
Yeah. Does that sound, yeah. does that sound uh, realistic? Yeah. And the, you know, the outpost that they offer, and if anybody wants to see what we're talking about, it's denoutdoors.com. Great company. Michael Goodman from uh, NoiseAware connected us two years ago when uh, the CEO was just starting Den Outdoors and he just had plans essentially. Now he's a full design agency and, you know, our architectural firm essentially that has this. So the outpost is really small compared to what we want, want to build. So it's a really tiny unit. But yeah, I mean that's what that's what you gotta you gotta weigh. Like I I think if we were in a different economic state right now, and you know the supply chains weren't so crazy, cost of gas, construction wasn't so backed up. No matter who I talk to, man, anywhere in the states, as of right now, construction is one of the most challenging things for them. They can't find labor, they can't find good workers, they can't find you know prices are through the roof. I spoke to somebody the other day that was quoting us for a bathroom to build a bathroom in the schoolhouse for $450 a square foot. And I know that you don't know construction, you know, numbers, but that's pretty much double what I was building brand new construction for when I was doing real estate developments, right? A high end is 300 square foot. Now he's like, yeah, I'm at 450 square. If you want me to, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Like we, I think we budgeted 20, 25,000 to build that bathroom, right? In the schoolhouse, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Essentially going to be 50 to 60,000 to build it wow. if we went with him, right? And the reason why I bring that up is like if the state was different, like the, the situation was different in economics and construction, everything else, we'd probably just build this stuff from the ground up, right? Because then I can get really creative with the construction side. This to me is the easier way, a faster way to design what we want, build it offsite, ship it up. We can probably get the eight. We're going to be meeting with Rented next week to talk to them about ADRs and just income projections on these units. But I'm pretty confident that we can get right around the same for our tiny homes that we can for mm-hmm. you know these cabins that we were going to build. But yeah, we're saving on that money because we don't have to build the foundation. The site work that we are doing is really going to be optional based on our budget and what we want to do, but decking and we already have, you know, obviously we got to run plumbing, we got to run sewer, we got to run electric, but we already have the hookups on the property. So it's not going to be as expensive, right? So again, I think I think it'll work out you know, it's not going to be a major savings. You know, it's not, we're not going after the tiny homes that you can build for 50 K, you know, because it's just not going to, we're not going to get the product that we want the end result that we want. But I think speed wise and being able to control the outcome here is going to be the best bet of just like partnering with the right company. Maybe, you know, again, maybe we could even buy one of these manufacturers in the future and start pumping these things out ourselves. Right. But yeah, I think I think it's a great option and it'll save us quite a bit of time versus building, you know, on slab or foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca is saying that after she realized like how much it costs, and she's also saying like, you know, that the, there's a lot of delays, there's backup, inventory, you know, county approvals, all that stuff. She's considering doing uh airstreams potentially. Cool. Instead. Yeah, but yeah. to give everyone some background here, you still need county approval. You can't just pull these things up and park them and start renting them out on Airbnb. You know, like you have to have 
the right zoning for your properties. And most tiny homes, if they're on wheels, they're designated as RVs, right? Mm. So mobile homes essentially, which has a whole, or not mobile home, a, you know, an RV recreational vehicle, right? So it has a whole different zoning to it, right? So you still have to go through some processes. You can't just park them on any residential unit, you know, lot or whatever. Luckily, we do have the approval for it. I'm assuming we're going to, have to get some unique approval for the land and the amount of units that we want to get on there, but it's a commercial lot and you know, it'll work for us. But I think people have to be very careful with that. If you're going to pop up airstreams or tiny airstreams and tiny homes are the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's designated as the same thing for, for most tiny homes. Yeah. Got it. A couple, just going through the list of all the responses here. One question from Michael is he's saying, I'm starting a tiny home manufacturing business within three months here in Los Angeles. So, mm. you know, that's probably, you know, it's uh that could be a really good idea because there's, you know, so many, so much, so much demand for these things. He's asking which tiny home type or plan layout appeals to you and why. So I guess what Michael's trying to understand is like, he's, he's planning to build a tiny home manufacturing business. And he's, mm-hmm. I guess he's asking like, Hey, what type of, you know, what type of tiny homes are we interested in? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. That's something that we're going to determine through the design process. Right. And we're not going to just choose a regular layout, right. We're going to, we're going to design our own thing. One thing I am learning, and this is something that I learned from Den Outdoors talking to the CEO over there is that, you know, just getting lofts. I was originally thinking lofts, where you have to climb up a ladder to get to the bedroom, that's becoming a problem for a lot of Airbnb or short-term rental operators, right? You know, guests climbing up and down those ladders bring a lot of liability. It also cancels out any anybody with a handicap, cancels out anybody with elderly, like my parents, when it, they're not elderly, but they wouldn't be able to get up, up and down that thing, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, well now our avatar is shrinking to a certain, you know, certain type of avatar for a loft. Right. So now some options too, is like, if we want a two bedroom, you know, having a ground level bedroom with a loft is optional as well. Right. So yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure we're playing with that. We are looking at wheels versus, you know, placing these on slabs. But we'll see, man. Like we're in early stages of this, you know. Phase one right now is renovating these four units as we're talking to these companies. And honestly, we need help too. Like we need we need to bring somebody into the free wild team that can support us on this, who has experience, has the flexibility to talk to all these different companies that we're we're connecting with and helping us with designs, the whole thing. So we're gonna find that out over the over the coming months. But to wrap that up, is I think what we're mapping out now is having one smaller unit that's closer to that 420 to 450 square feet that would fit two people and then a bigger unit that would have two bedrooms that can fit four to five people yeah let's see what else do we have here we have rick is saying keep me in mind if you find any any interesting tiny home manufacturers that can do volume i'm looking to build 50 of them mm. <laughs> Yeah. Volume's a, a problem. Volume's yeah. a problem. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm talking to a couple of really cool companies right now that, you know, this one in particular that's investing, you know, they raise a ton of money. They're expanding like crazy, taking over warehouse, but 
volume's a challenge because you know they build them all in in house. Again, labor becomes a challenge, lumber becomes a challenge. So, you know, most companies I talk to, I say, hey, I want, you know, for this first round, we're probably going to order 15. Next year, the goal is to have two new projects and we'll have a minimum of 15 to 30 per project. And then we'll probably be pumping that out, you know, at that volume per year, anywhere between 30 and say 100 of these units a year. And most of these companies are saying that they can handle it, but you don't, you won't know until you get into it, right? Until yeah. you actually start doing it with these companies. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. I haven't found any. Well, there are companies out there. Let me let me just end it with this. There are companies out there that can pump out what's technically a tiny home, but they're really mobile homes. They're cheaper materials. They're really kind of just focused on shelter versus an experience, if that makes sense, which is awesome. It's just not our avatar. Like it's awesome that those companies exist because there's a huge need for that is, you know, affordable housing, but it's not meant for, it's not designed for the experience that we're trying to create here for, for free wild or anybody else on the Airbnb platform. Yeah. Yeah. And I think once we decide what company we're actually going to work with, we'll share that with the community and then we'll, we can share like the other, all the manufacturers that we've come across. Yeah. I just want to be careful, you know, just so everyone understands, I I just want to be careful before I start promoting and talking about different companies that actually have an experience with them first, right? There's a couple of companies I'm really enjoying talking to that really have their um, stuff together. And then other companies that I'm just noticing like, oh, you got really cool designs, but it would be an absolute nightmare to work with you. I could just see it on the first phone call, you know, that we're talking mm-hmm. to. So I want to vet these companies out. I want to see what they're about. I want to, I want to chat with them. But yeah, I mean, the company that we work with, that we decide to work with, I mean, we're going to be partnering with them for Free Wild, right? So we're going to, you know, yeah. I'm sure we're going to bring the CEO on or somebody on their team to talk to them on the podcast and really get a, a true understanding of the, the, the tiny home world from them, you know? Exactly. And, and that's a question that we got from a lot of people, by the way. And that just shows, it shows how much interest there is in these tiny homes because a lot of people have reached out to us saying like, hey, can you share what company you're talking to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we will. And we'll, we'll probably start putting resources together, you know, on getpaidforyourpad.com. We'll, we'll put some tiny home resources together with time. We'll we'll do that. We'll we'll put lists together, pricing, the whole thing, kind of share with you guys what we're learning and everything else. But you know, I think everyone who's listening knows by now it's like we're not just gonna start talking about things. We want to make sure that we, you know, we can bring value and we're educated on what we're talking about. But I tell you this, you know, that legend mentor that we're, you know, a day away from seeing if he or she is gonna join us down in Mexico. This individual who has been in the short-term rental industry for many, many years has done some really incredible things in in this space and has done everything and is doing everything. High-end luxury properties down to condos and everything else. As soon as I told him about Free Wild, he freaking lit up, man. And he's like, you guys are genius. There's so much money to be made in tiny homes. It's a underutilized industry right now that for our industry, for the short-term rental industry is needed and there's a ton of money to be made in it. So that felt good getting, you know, some uh, positive feedback from somebody like that who has dealt with every asset class out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) awesome. 
All right, man. Well, we're we're uh, we got to wrap up the podcast. Where time just flies. We we did have uh, quite a few more more comments and questions, but you know maybe we'll go through some of those on the on a different time because we're going to be talking about tiny homes a lot. As you mentioned, yep. we're going to be sharing everything that we're learning. We're new to this as well, so it's more of uh, you know just kind of allowing everybody to be on the journey with us versus us really like educating. Yep. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how how all of this is going to unfold. I'm excited, man. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to start getting out there. You know, I love the what we're doing with overnight success. But man, I love being in in the in the field working on these projects, designing it, the whole thing. So yeah, we'll update everybody, and hopefully, this time next month, we're gonna start recording what we're doing in Free Wild and getting that content out there. We've kind of been hermit hermits. Yeah, hermits. Hermit crab. Yeah, hermit crabs. When it comes to social media and content for the last like six months, I think, because we've had our heads down building this stuff. But now we're ready to get back out there and sharing outside this podcast. So we'll let you guys know where you can see the updates on that as well. And yeah, man, this is awesome. And uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in. If you haven't liked or subscribed, like, can they like a podcast? Yeah, do that. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, do whatever you got to do. Share that with people. We truly appreciate that. And any positive uh, comments or reviews, I should say, that you can leave, that really helps us uh, grow this podcast as well. So truly appreciate that if you find value in this uh, in what we're doing here. Absolutely. And uh, keep sending us your, your questions. We didn't get through all of them, but we will make sure to respond to all the emails. So if you have any anything you want to you want to comment on when it comes to tiny homes or whatever we talk about on the podcast, we we always love hearing from people in our community. So don't hesitate and send us a, send us a comment, some feedback or question, whatever you want to do. That's it, bro. All right, That's man. All Let's right, do Eric. it. On to the next the next meeting. Let's rock and That's roll. That's right. Yeah, we have a busy day. So thanks everybody for listening. I'll be back on Monday with an episode of the host show and. Eric and I will be back next week on Friday. So have a great weekend. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpet.com slash get started. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcast for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, our starter course for anybody who wants to start an Airbnb business. So every month we select one reviewer at random and give that person access to the course. So thank you so much for listening and check back every Monday for an episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations on the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad.